Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with all things tennis, Mr. Tim Stollard. Tim is the general manager and director of the Bush Tennis Center uh, down in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and they are hosting a really cool tennis event this weekend. It is the, Tim, go ahead, give us the name. Yes, the San Antonio International Team Tennis Championships, and it's uh, at Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio. Uh, However, the Bush Tennis Center is way out in West Texas, about 300 miles away in in Midland, Texas. So that's uh, kind of an interesting dynamic of this this event. Yeah, we want to hear a lot about that because I'll be honest with you, you know, I built 27 tennis courts in the city and the Bush Tennis Center has the exact same mission as I do. And I'd never heard of it. So we want to dig into that. But first, let's dig into your background. You have put on more than 50, you know, ATP, USDA Pro Circuit events, uh, assistant coach at University of Texas, uh, spent time on the court with Andy Roddick. Tell me about your pedigree where you come from, how you got in the game, and how you able to travel through so many different levers of the of the sport. Well, I actually it, it started uh, in Rockford, Illinois, way up uh, way up north, and uh, started playing tennis and and uh, just um, it, was, it was one of those things. After after my parents got divorced a couple of times, I loved baseball, but trying out for baseball teams was was more problematic than just entering tennis tournaments. So I kind of fell into t- tennis uh, through that and and loved the sport and. Um, you know, like you said, went on to um, to coach at, at University of Texas and started. Uh, you know, just had some great players, and uh, and that's really how I got into starting to run events. Is I was trying to get wild cards and help out players that I was coaching. And uh, way back in the day, I had two really great players in Texas. Uh, one was Julie Scott, who was an All American at, at Stanford, and uh, you know couldn't get wild cards. And the other one was Elizabeth Schmidt, who. Uh, played at UCLA and went on. Now she's a head coach at Rice and very deserving kids. And the USDA said, you know, if you start running tournaments, you get the wild cards. So at one point I had 13 challengers across the U.S. And mm. some of those challengers like Champaign-Urbana are still still uh, moving along. So, yeah, it's a, it was a interesting process. So we, we've held challengers the last two years and it is a tough business model. To have 13 of them, you know, they, they struggle to make money. They break even at best. To have 13 of them, you must have had a model that worked because no one would ask for it 13 times if you don't. <laughs> so tell us about your experience with challengers because we see challengers in the U.S., you know, come on and off the calendar, right? And it hurts our U.S. players from, like you said, creating that vertical for where they're in a, you know, in the collegiate pathway. They want to try to hand it to Pro Tour. They can't get a wild card. Not enough events to spread the wild cards out. Right. How did you make the challenger model work? Yeah, you know, I, I was able to get national sponsors. I mean, I uh, covered everything. So I had great sponsors, uh, AOL, Porsche Cars, North America, 
uh, Bear Stearns, Health South. Uh, so I just went out. I, I had uh, a great mentor, a big advertising company, GSDNM. Uh, the the founders of that uh, really kind of showed me how to put media value behind packages, and I found a kind of a good formula. So, uh, you know, I would have literally just you know Porsche would say we need you know these markets, and I would jump on a plane and go to Miami and <laughs> find facilities. But it was it was a nice problem because I had all the financials. Uh, together, and that's you know you look at the challenger that was in Dallas for years. That was it was over twenty years that uh, they had it at T Bar M. So lots of great challengers throughout the years. Now, when you would sell those packages, would you make would the, would the sponsor take all thirteen, or like the major sponsor take all thirteen? Then you add on locals, or was it you know and the people would pick off whichever one they want in the markets. Yeah, uh, for the most part, you know, we'd have our major sponsors would take all the markets and then we'd sell kind of patron local because you, know, you always want the local community involved. So we'd, right. we'd have local patron packages and you know, we really did our best to make it a fun event, you know, with pro-ams and music and and access to the players. And, you know, for me, a big part of it was telling the story of the challengers. I mean, I love challengers because you have the you have the veterans that are hanging on that come to get the points. You got the the top juniors in the world and they clash at the challenger level. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I'll never forget. I was, I was in a drive through in uh, McDonald's in, in Austin, Texas. And I got a call from Andre Agassi's brother asking for a wild card into Burbank. And huh. at that time I'd already, I'd committed. I, I had a, a player, Brandon Coop and Robert Abendroth. I committed my two wild cards. So I couldn't give him a wild card, but I was hoping the USTA would. And, and you know, the story, I mean, he, he got a wild card, he played against Sargas Sargisian in the finals. Uh, they called it the Battle of Armenia, and uh, it was a it was a great tournament. And it was, it was great to see him come back a year later. He was already back to number four in the world. So it was, it was really just an insp- inspiration to see Andre. Yeah. So you know, I think that one of the things we must underestimate is like really the job of these challengers, right? Especially in the U.S. soil, is to help promote the next generation of player, right? So I always like to hear a famous story. So our challengers, our wild cards, went to Ben Shelton last summer. That's awesome, right? man. Got always to the semis. Obviously got to perform, um, got a wild card into, got to upgrade a wild card. Got to, originally got a wild card in the qualities of Cincy because he was in Chicago so long, upgraded to the main draw. And this year, Alex Mickelson wins our event, yeah. goes on, plays Newport, right? Gets it bounds to Newport, loses to Manorino, I think. So tell me about another famous wild card story where you see you gave a wild card to someone that has some potential. And then other than the story you told us where you like, you know, we had a hand in that person's career. Well, uh, a couple of them. One um, in Rockford, Illinois, back to Rockford, Illinois. I had a challenger there in February following the, the, the Midland, Michigan challenger that's still going. Yep. And uh, I got a call from uh, one of my idols, Nick Boletari, and said, I've got this girl. She's number one in the world, um, and uh, she's not going to make the cut for the challenger, and we think she has a lot of potential. It was Anna Kornikova. So <laughs> I g- gave her a wild card, and and she won it. And you know, I, I believe you know five months later, she was in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. And yep. what's cool about Anna is Anna came back, and we've done a lot of charity events. And following, we did an event um, in Beaumont with Pete Sampras, and and uh, she flew after that over to Horseshoe Bay to do a free clinic with my wife and kids. And it was the uh, first kids' courts. It was the Andy Roddick kids' courts out at Horseshoe Bay. But she flew over, you know, did it absolutely for free to give back to the kids. And she was uh, she was amazing. 
but it's it's really funny that you know that started when she was 13 years old in frigid Rockford, Illinois, in February. So you mentioned your wife and kids. Do your daughters play at all? They did. They're they're older now. They're um, uh, one's uh, graduated from A and M. She's an architect, and my my other daughter is about to start her her master's in communications at A and M. Now, did you try your hand at coaching them? You know, obviously, I'm trying to coach my kids, and I'm trying not to let what happens on the tennis court blend into the car ride home or right. blend into the dinner table. But sometimes that's really hard. Did you try your hand at coaching them, uh, and how did that go? Yeah, I did. My my wife was really their primary coach, uh, and uh, my wife was a great player, all American at Texas, coached at Texas. Uh, you know, she was number one in the Southerns, finalist at the Easter Bowl, just a great player. Uh, and we are very different coaching styles. My wife is very, you know, very very fired up <laughs> with with the girls. So I was a lot more laid back, and you know, when I, I go to their matches, I'd have the, the newspaper, my Starbucks, and they go, "Dad, you're not even watching my match." I'm, of course, I'm watching every point, but when they look at me, I've got my newspaper up and my coffee right. and just kind of downplaying it. But uh, but that, they were great. You know, we we're really proud of our daughters. And uh, we officially became grandparents about uh, a little over a year ago. And it's uh, but, you know, tennis was just great experience for their life. And and it, uh, you know, for me, it changed my life. You know, I, growing up in Rockford, Illinois, my dad was an automaker, uh, tool and die maker. Neither one of my parents even know how to keep score in tennis. And, um, you know, like I said, after a couple of divorces, I had a wonderful coach, uh, Pat Wicks, that uh, gave me a, you know, a lot of free lessons. And, you know, I just worked my butt off and it, it opened doors. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, and, and that's that's what we're really inspired to do with the Bush Ace Outreach Program is create that opportunity. And I mean, we have 100 percent any kid that comes. We, we provide full scholarships, partial scholarships. We, we turn down no one. That's our mission. So. Um, we're real proud of that and we've helped a lot of kids and we're expanding that, uh, throughout the state of Texas and then you know, happy to really help, you know, great foundations like the Bryan brothers foundation, John Isner, uh, my wife and I, we went out and helped Sloan. Sloan had over 300 kids bust in from Compton at, at USC. And my wife and I went out and helped with clinics out there to help Sloan, but she does amazing work year round. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of great stories and a lot of great things that, you know, pe- people see these great players on the court, but I'm really inspired for a lot of things they're doing off the court. So tell me about the Bush Tennis Center. I would say I, I didn't even know it existed. Uh, I didn't know that the Bushes were big tennis people. I knew the Koch brothers are big tennis people down there in yeah. Texas, but didn't know the Bush you know, Tennis Center exists. So tell me about how the Bush Tennis Center came along and how you ended up taking the job. Oh, it, it, it's, it's um, in 2015, I, I had... Um, I had John Isner, Sam Query, and the Bryans, and we did a four-day run where we did Atlanta, Nashville, Midland, and then Camarillo, California to do something for the Bryan Brothers for their foundation. So those four guys, 2015, went through just to do a one-day event, and uh, and this started talking to the people that founded the Bush Tennis Center, and they they were having some challenges with the, the business model, asked me to hire me as a consultant initially. And I just said, you know, here's all the things that need to be done. And they're like, well, we want to hire you. I'm like, well, I don't live here. I live in Austin. My wife's director of tennis at Horseshoe Bay Resort. My company's in Austin. They're like, well, we don't care if you live here. Just come and check into the Doubletree uh, Hilton downtown Midland and come and figure this thing out. And, uh, you know, it was really neat because at that point I was working, I was trying to build a similar facility 
next to Dell Diamond with uh, with Reed and Reese Ryan, Nolan Ryan's kids. They owned the minor league ballpark there, and we were right. kind of going down that road to you know maybe buy the ATP event in Memphis, build a facility like this, and you know we we're going down that road. But there was a lot of politics and just you know dealing with governments and stuff. I go out to West Texas, and they're like, you know, here's the keys to the place. How much money do you need? Let's get it going. I mean, it's just an amazing opportunity, and we're on 35 acres. Uh, on the, we've already on the far west side. We just opened a four million dollars park designed for special needs children. So we got mm-hmm. zip lines. Everything is set up where kids can play. Just despite you know uh, physical challenges, they can play side by side with all kids. We have a four million dollar park. We just broke ground on a new ninety thousand square foot athletic center, which will have five indoor basketball courts, fifteen volleyball courts, a seventy five yard turf uh, indoor field. And then Lance Hooten, who I actually met through Andy Roddick, was you know, traveled for with Andy. It's going to be a sports performance training center, and Lance Hooten's coming and, and using his uh, his expertise to develop that as well. So, you know, it's a big campus, and uh, and it's all set up as a nonprofit. It's a legacy for the Bush presidents, and uh, you know, I feel like it, to some degree I get to be Santa Claus because I get to really help a lot of kids, and that's super important to me. And and we've got a staff that is just amazing that just cares so much about helping kids and. Uh, and really developing a great, great event, a great product. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, you're also building indoor tennis courts. And uh, what people don't know is like in these southern markets, right, places where you just say California, Texas, Atlanta, uh, Florida even. He's like, why do you need indoor courts in those markets? Sometimes it is so hot, right, that you just need the the roof for the shade, right? Or sometimes like in Florida, it'll rain all day, right, and you need the roof for the rain. So tell us why you would need indoor courts in West Texas. Well, a lot of times it's just too windy. I mean, we're just out in the middle of nowhere. It's flat as can be. And, uh, you know, I mean, as they say, there's not a lot out there, but there's a lot under there. I mean, we're on the biggest reserve of oil, you know, on planet Earth, the Permian Basin and the Delaware Basin, you know, come right out of uh, right out of uh, Midland, West Texas. And uh, but it's flat, high winds. So we lose a lot of days where, you know, the wind gets up above 25 miles an hour. It's not playable. Dust is blowing. Uh, and then, you know, we have 100, 110, 115 degree days in the summer, and, and then it yep. drops to you know, 25 degrees. So it's just all over the map. So indoor courts will definitely help us. Uh, we're looking at doing eight indoor hard and four indoor clay. And there's no way to do outdoor clay. It would just blow away. So oh, yeah. it'll be so dry. Yeah. And it'll just go. You'd be, you'd be, you know, every year we bring in 12 tons of clay to sort of re, re-top off our red hard true courts. I mean, I would only imagine how much money you'd spend on. Oh, yeah, it, it wouldn't last. <laughs> no chance. 
So tell me about the event. Uh, this weekend, you got the event coming. You've got Monfils in town. You got Venus, Vika, Kim Clijsters, the Bryan brother, brothers. Tell us about A, how you, how you started the event, B, who else is coming, and C, what the proceeds go to. Right. Okay. Well, the, you know, I came up with the idea of the event. I, I wanted to do something that would not only bring professional tennis to San Antonio, because if you look at the Texas market, you know, obviously you have the Dallas Open, the amazing event at River Oaks. Uh, Austin now has an a, the ATX Open. Uh, San Antonio needs a professional tournament. So one, I wanted to bring professional tennis to San Antonio. I, I love doing business and events in San Antonio. They've got a great pro culture. The pros help support each other program. And, and you know that a lot of times you go to a city and everyone stays on their own, kind of on their own reservation. Here, the pros work great together and really promote and, and each other's event, really uh, go to grow the sport of tennis. But I also wanted to do something that featured uh, the top colleges in Texas. So we came up so that each team consists of these top pros, but we also have top players from Baylor, Texas, Texas A&M, Trinity, Incarnate Word, Southwestern, all playing. Then we have two of the top junior tennis academies in the country. Nukes Tennis Academy is playing for Team San Antonio. And, of course, Austin Tennis Academy is playing for Austin. So, and all the points count. So these kids, that, you know, for Austin Tennis Academy and Nukes, they get to come out in a big arena, you know, with Monfils on the bench and Venus on the bench. And those are your teammates. I mean, how cool is that for these kids to get that opportunity? And, uh, you know, and, and then also to be around all the great college players. So it's going to be a really fun event. Um, so we host, you know, a pro event every year. And I think, you know, initially you're like, well, why do you want to host a pro event? And one of the things that I, you know, first of all, you got to do it all. If you're going to do tennis in communities, you got to do from red ball all the way to the high performance high school, all the way to home school. You got to host college tournaments right. and you got to do pro events. You got to do it all if you're going to do it right. And right. one of the reasons why we host pro events in the city of uh, Chicago is, A, it's a great city, right? Third or fourth largest city. Uh, I know us in Houston are fighting for that third spot now. Yeah. But um, you've got to, kids have got to see it to be it, right? And yeah. so in a city where, People have 41 Bulls games they can attend, right? They got the Chicago Sky now, right, WNBA team. Yeah. These kids will not stick with tennis if they do not – they can't get up close and personal, right? That is right. how you fall in love with the sport. Uh, is that also what you use to sell this event and the reason for this event connected to the academy? Yeah, to to, to give kids to be inspired. And, and that's part of it. On, on Sunday of this event, we we have the Bush Ace Outreach Program. We we have um, underwritten over forty high schools from all over the state, from El Paso, which is El Paso is probably five hundred six hundred miles from San Antonio, but El Paso to Amarillo. Four, we have forty high schools coming in, almost nine hundred kids, and we're doing three clinics: one at McFarland, one at Trinity, and one at the at Freeman Coliseum. And these are all free clinics that we're underwriting for these kids to get on the courts with these college players and the pros and be able to talk to them, hear why, why, why it's so important to give 100% every day, hear their stories and be able to have that connection and see that these are real people. Uh, that's what inspires me. I'm, I'm so excited about that clinic on Sunday. You know, I've never done a, a clinic with 800 kids, but uh, fortunately I've got Murphy Jensen, Wayne Bryan, Luke um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, Luke Jensen uh, also coming in. So we got a, like an A team of coaches to help with it. Oh, those are the energizer bunnies. I mean, you can yeah. put a thousand kids out there and they're going to have more energy than all the kids put together. I mean, this is yeah. like the best in the business. 
but 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 that you know that's what's so important to me for these kids to be able to you know that they live in very rural areas a lot of these are, are title one schools we are, we're under we have several njtl programs which you know i think it's so important to have positive role models and i think uh, tennis is such a great game to to uh, expose kids to i know it changed my life so let me ask you this back to the challenger tour right because this seems to be your wheelhouse right putting on events making them cash flow making them sustainable what do you think we need to do to keep the challenger tour alive um, you know, I know we have a challenger. One of the things USCA done is provides financial support for the prize money. You know, some of the signage and banners, they've sort of stepped up and done that. What do you think we need to do to keep that model? Because that model is important for what? guys like the Tommy Pauls when he was starting out, the Francis Tiafos when he was starting out, the Ben Shelton's, right? Like when you look, think about European guys like Monfils, they could train around Europe every weekend right. and pick up ATP points, right? And before you know it, they're 80 in the world. Right, and you've never heard of them, but somehow yeah, you, you, all the time. those guys—they—they they don't even have to leave Spain. They can just play challengers in Spain, and you know, get into the, probably the top fifty or top hundred of the world just playing challengers there. <laughs> where so many of our guys have to, you know, borrow money and and go go to you know wherever to India chasing points. And you know what? You also your performance. If you're traveling, most people there's an advantage to playing in your country. You're, you're comfortable with the language, you're comfortable with the food, you're comfortable with a lot of things. So I think it really positively impacts your, your performance. So the more we can have these challengers, I, I used to say, I thought the most important thing the USTA could do is just create more challengers because just create point opportunities, you know, let, let everyone fight it out, but just create the opportunity. Let our kids compete here in the United States. Uh, and you asked me a question, here's what I would do if I controlled everything. I would I would leverage the sponsorships of the U.S. Open, which is obviously hugely successful, and the sponsors that are in there. I would say part of this sponsorship has to go, and you're going to get exposure in these other markets at these challenger events. So whether that's Chase or whatever, you know, you carve a little bit out because there's so much money going to the U.S. Open. But if we really want to stabilize tennis and have a backbone, it's challengers. I believe that's the the key is is having a lot of challengers in the U.S. That'll develop players. Uh, there's no politics, you know, they all get, you, you get in, you win, you lose, right? It's, there's no politics involved in that. And, but it's just about opportunity, right? Then that's what we all want. We just want to have an opportunity. And for our American players, if they've got to spend all of their resources, you know, traveling around the world to chase points, it's a, it's a tough model to be successful in. So we talk about politics uh, and you're running the Bush Tennis Center. Can either of the Bushes really play? Yeah, they were, they were very good. And, um, and um, you know, President George H.W. Bush, uh, he was a super competitive player. Uh, he always would play Chris Everett's charity events. I've got some pictures that the family had shared with us. And, you know, you start looking through these pictures and he's at the net and he's got his his, uh, his little uh, tennis sweater on. And I look and his partner serving behind him is Bjorn Borg. I'm like, that's a good thing to be president, right? And right, I have right. another one of him playing with Pete Sampras. but. Uh, but they're amazingly generous. Uh, just, you know, I, I just really have a, a fondness for the, the Bush presidents and their family and and uh, all they've done for, you know, for our country. But then also the sport of tennis. They've been been uh, great ambassadors of tennis and um, and supportive of our, our tennis center. And last question. You spent time on the court with Andy Roddick, right? Anyone who meets Andy has a great Andy story because Andy is like whatever comes up, comes out. He's Mr. Color. He makes everything real and plain. Give us a good Andy story. 
Well, it, this is one of the funny things is, is way back when I was director of tennis at Barton Creek Resort and, uh, and I'd coached at Texas and, and, you know, my last year at Texas, we got to the semifinals of NCAA's loss to Stanford the following year. They won the national championship, but I, I accepted a position as director of tennis at, at um, Barton Creek Resort in Austin. And at that time in my junior development program, I had Andy Roddick, Drew Brees, Chris Mem, who was a back, you know, center for the Lakers. And Django Walker it turned out to be a great country singer uh, and songwriter. And Django's actually playing the player party here with Pat Green here in San Antonio. But uh, but Andy, you know, this was uh, right right before he they moved to Macy's. So you know, Andy and John were were out at Barton Creek, and then they. Um, but you know, Andy always wanted to be on the court with the eighteen year olds. That's that's what I remember. He was just feisty, and you know, he'd get out there, and uh, and he he was just fearless. I mean, he would just go charge. And I, I had some big some you know Trey Phillips, who is a number one player ended up as number one player at Texas and, you know, yeah. you know, top doubles player, you know, Andy would go charge in the net against Trey and I was afraid he was going to get killed a few times, but uh, just, you know, you, you have no, had no idea that uh, that group of kids would grow up and do amazing things. But, uh, but it's been neat. And uh, a couple of years ago, Drew Brees came out and did a, a fundraiser for us out in Midland and just, just really proud of, of those days and, and seeing them come up to, do so much and what Andy's done with the Andy Roddick Foundation is 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 great. So that's one of the things we really want to highlight with this program is all the great work these guys are doing off the court too. Hmm. Uh well tell us one more time where people can get tickets. If they're in the Texas area uh and they want to see some of these big names, you said Vika, Venus, uh Kleisters, Monfils will be around. Um how do people get tickets? Yeah, just go to SanAntonioITC.com, International Tennis Championships, ITC.com, just San Antonio ITC. You can see the website. You can learn more about the nonprofits and the, and the work that we're doing and the other players are doing. And, uh, and you can get tickets. There's a link there. And it's uh, going to be Friday night at 7 p.m. at Freeman Coliseum. Then we have two sessions, Saturday, uh, 2 and 7, and then a final session on Sunday at 2. Really this cool. is going to be an annual event, so we're really looking forward to building this and and uh, and helping kids um, throughout the U.S. And as I say, we're our goal is to help kids from Compton to Kiev. And uh, like I said, I was just so inspired by Sloane Stevens when we went out there, and you know, incredibly inspired by uh, Alina Savitolina and what she's done. And it was really neat when I I just our uh, Gail was over at San Antonio Country Club, and we got out of the car. He was FaceTiming with. Alina and his baby, and uh, it's just you know they're just such a a fun couple to watch and uh, just do amazing amazing work. Yeah, well, as somebody that's you know running community programs in Chicago, the work is hard. Uh, I want to commend you on sort of being committed to doing it. Uh, it is not easy, sometimes thankless, uh, hard to make these things cash flow and sustainable. But you have. Yeah you know, one of the best in the business. So Tim, I want to thank you for taking well, time. And, and I, I want to thank you, you know, thank you for what you do for the sport. And, uh, you know, I'm in Chicago. That's, that's my hometown. It was actually Rockford. I call it, I, I consider it Chicago and, uh, yeah, de- definitely a, a Cub and a Sox fan, but more of a Cub fan. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I miss all the great pizza and, and great sports of Chicago. We uh, definitely want to go back there next summer. All right. Well, this has been the tennis.com podcast with Tim Stoller. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you.